You know it's going to be a good day when you got Krispy Kreme on the stage. You know what I'm saying? Come on. I'm so excited that you guys are here with us today. It is in the middle of vacation season, uh, but you are here at Radiate Church, and we are so honored to have you to all of our guests that are on our online campus today. Uh, thank you so much for being with us, wherever you may be, uh, all across. The great thing is we have people from all over uh, uh, the nation, all over states and things uh, that join us each and every week, so we're glad that you are with us today. I hope you're taking notes and can write this down. You can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to Jeremiah 17 is the first portion of scripture we're really going to hang out at, um, but feel free to take notes and write these down. I got several scriptures today. Uh, and go back and study them. Um, as you're doing that and getting ready uh, for our message today, I want to say a couple things. Number one, if you are a guest with us, I especially want to ask you to make sure you swing by that Connect Center and uh, get a gift that we have. We believe in honor, and one of the greatest ways that I love to honor people is to give gifts, and so I'd love to give you something for being here with us today. Just swing by that Connect Center on your way out. If you're online, just make sure you text uh, that word to uh, connect to 205 2487, and uh, would love, love, love to hook you up as well. I'd love to see all of our middle schoolers and high schoolers today at 4 uh, right here at the church. We're going to have a, an obstacle course outside, and I'm going to watch you. I'm not going to do it because I'll die halfway through it when I'm trying to run uh, through there. No, uh, we'd love to have you with us. We're going to grill out. We're going to have obstacle course, and then we're going to have a service in here uh, tonight. And then lastly... I uh, want to say, during the summer, they say statistically, every church goes through something called a summer slump, and actually statistically, uh, invite, invite, people inviting others to join them at church actually drops dramatically in the summer. I want to I twist that. I want to turn that the other, other way, and so I'd love for you to grab as many invite cards off the seats as you can before you leave today and invite people to be a part of what God is doing here at Radiate Church this summer. So we've been in this series of conversations over the past several weeks on mental health and spiritual growth and maturity and what that looks like and what it means and how actually it all kind of marries together. And uh, so we've talked about uh, you know, what Jesus says about building a foundation, building your life on a foundation. And Jesus basically says, you got a choice. You can build your life on the sand uh, that shifts with the storms and you know, it, it can crumble. It causes the house to crumble. Or you can build it on the stone, on the rock of Jesus and It'll stand, and then we talked about relationships and what kind of friend we need to be, what kind of friend we need in our lives, and the Bible actually talks about that, and we, we looked at that, and then we talked about last week's systems and structures and how to create those in your life that draws closer to God and create more of a routine in our life that help us become a little more uh, just healthy uh, mentally and healthy in a lot of ways spiritually, and uh, today I want to talk to you about these two topics. Uh, we're going to end it, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you did not wake up this morning and say, I hope the pastor talks about this. Uh, I know that you didn't wake up and go, I'm going to get real hyped up if he talks about that. But I think it's a series, of, uh, it's a conversation that we need to have. And today we're going to talk about s trust and self-control. Trust and self-control. And I know you didn't wake up and go, I really hope, you know, the pastor talks about trust and self-control today, because if he does, I'm going to amen him all day. Like, I know you didn't wake up and think that, um, but... I really think it's something that we really need to have conversations about uh, as opposed to uh, uh, that helps us with our spiritual growth and our spiritual maturity. Um, 
both, uh, what I love about this series of conversations is we've been talking about like what psychologists and counselors and all that say about mental health and how to rebuild from anxiety and depression and overwhelmed and stress and, you know, even how to build a life of stability to where we can fight that stuff before it happens. And I love how counselors and psychologists have these ideas and I believe in them. I believe that it, you need to talk to them if, if that's where you're at in life. Like I'm, I'm not meaning this demeaning. I just think it's funny how they think they've come up with this stuff, but it's actually been around for a couple thousand years in the Bible. And it's all biblical principles, what they're talking about, you know, foundation and systems and structures and relationships and don't do life alone. And I'm like, that's all Bible. And then they talk about you have to learn uh, to trust and you have to learn self-control. And those are two things, the last two things they say that you got to learn to master to kind of get through that stuff. But those are actually biblical principles. In fact, think about it like this. Trust is the churchy word for trust is faith. Trust is the essence or the epitome of faith. Without trust, there is no faith. I want to I kind of example uh, faith today or trust today with Krispy Kreme. I don't know if y'all know this or not. Krispy Kreme's amazing. We got any Krispy Kreme fans in the room today? Anybody? All right. Yeah, I love Krispy Kreme. I feel like every time I go to the beach, I have to go to Krispy Kreme about 10 times. I don't know what it is. It's just when I go to the beach, it's like Krispy Kreme, okay? I know you guys are like... Go to the beach and get tan. I'm like, go to the beach and get donuts. That's what I focus on. And uh, I love Krispy Kreme, and I got, a, I got a full dozen Krispy Kreme donuts right here. They look amazing, don't they? They look so good. They smell even better. And, and um, what, here's what trust is. Trust is me going, hey, Pastor Chris, donuts mean a lot to me in my life. They're very important to me. Um, these are going to nourish me and make me feel loved today, Okay. And they're going to help me because I'm really tired on Sundays after three services. And these are going to help me be okay. All right. <laughs> on the other side. But I've got to go preach. I've got to go do something else. So I need you to hold on to my Krispy Kreme, my dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, right? And I did not say open the lid, Chris. I just <laughs> leave the lid. <laughs> this is not starting well already. Um, uh, but leave it alone. Don't, like, I'm trusting you. So trust is the ability to put something in someone else's possession and trust that they're going to do what they need to do with it, right? They're going to take care of it, and then I'm going to get all 12 of my Krispy Kreme donuts back, okay? And they're not going to be half eaten, right? That you're not going to throw them away. You're not going to shove them in Brittany's face over here in just a minute. And you're not going to do all that stuff because I trust you, right? Trust is the ability to know that whatever I place in your possession is going to be like, you're going to take care of it. And your best interest uh, is my best interest, and we're going to work together to make this happen, right? Trust is the ability, that psychologists say it like this, trust is giving up control of what you have no control over. Think about that for a second. Like when you hear it, it's kind of like, well, of course I'm giving up control over what I have. But we freak out all the time. And I say we because I'm in it. Our minds are so inundated with stuff that we have no control over. We cannot help some of the things that we freak out about, right? So trust is putting it in their hands and knowing that, okay, it's going to be all right. It's still going to be taken care of. Self-control is going, okay, right here, I got them back, right? I have a dozen manna from heaven right here. <laughs> Mike, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Greek, manna is translated crispe creme. Not true at all. Terrible theology and an even worse joke. But, and I say it all the time because I think it's hilarious. Self-control 
is the ability to go, I really want a donut. Y'all want a donut. You're looking at it, and you're like, I want that donut right there. You know? But self-control is going, but I don't want 12 donuts. I'm not going to eat 12 donuts. I'm going to eat one donut. Because one donut is healthier than 12 donuts. Or 12 donuts will make me sick or whatever. Self-control is the ability to, watch this, control self. So I have to trust by letting go and letting go of what I can't control. Because watch this, I can't control what he does with those donuts. But I can control what I do with them. And so self-control is a biblical principle of this. What do I do with what God has put in my hands? What do I do with the life, the circumstances, the opportunities, the family, the church, the faith, the abilities, the passions, the purposes, the desires, the boss, the coworker, the kids, the spouse? You see what I'm saying? I could go forever. What am I going to do with those things? That's self-control. Self-control is letting go. Watch this. Our trust is letting go of what I can't control. Self-control is controlling what I can control. Self-control is going, okay, I can control that. I can't control what you do, so I'm going to trust. But I can control what I do. And what we often do is we will sacrifice self-control on the altar of trust. Here's what I mean. We will obsess so much, and I see it all the time. We will obsess so much over things that we cannot control in our life that we actually lose self-control over areas of our life. We'll, we'll start, and watch this, watch this. Everybody, you got to understand this. This all goes in together. We all medicate. You realize that? We all go through hard times. We all medicate. Every one of us medicates. We medicate some way, somehow. For me, the way that I kind of disconnect and medicate in a stressful time it, <laughs> is I've got to get to a place to where I'm by myself. I don't need noise. I don't need opinions. I don't need thoughts. I don't even need your face looking at me. Like, I don't need anything. It's just me and me and me and God. And that's it. And I'm dealing with myself, and then I can kind of take a deep breath, and then I can get back into reality. Then I can get back around people. Then I can get back into situation. Everybody medicates. The problem is, is that when we don't have self-control, we medicate too much. On the wrong things in ways that we never should and so now we'll get on our phones and we can't put it down and so now we're addicted to Facebook and Instagram because our medication is everybody else's life come on this is what it is right and now now we it's not that 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 alcohol in and of itself may be wrong but we drink way too much because we're self-medicating and we have no self-control or I eat way too much or I'm obsessed way too much with the gym, or whatever it is, right? And you can, There's a myriad of things that you could say in this moment that would make it. And we will sacrifice the self-control of our medication or whatever we're doing at the altar of something that we can't control. Watch this. You need to, I'm going to set some people free right at the beginning today. You ready? Watch this. You can't fix everything and everybody. You know that thing you're freaking out about that you don't want to have that hard conversation because of how they may react? Watch this. You are not responsible for their reaction. As long as you do your part the right way, it's up to them for the rest. You cannot fix somebody else's problem. You know that problem that they have that they won't fix and they won't get out of their muck and you've tried everything you know to try and you're stressing about it? Watch this. You can't fix them. You can't. 
It's not going to happen. You can love them. You can pray for them. You can encourage them. You can hug them. You can high-five them. You can do whatever you want to do, right? But you can't fix them. I can't control what I can't control, and neither can you. And we've got to come to a place to where we just go, you know what? When I can't control it, I probably just need to trust God. I probably just need to trust God. I probably need to have what this thing in the Bible calls faith. Because if trust is, is giving up control of what I can't control, then that means what I can't control, I have to trust the one that can. So let's talk about trust for a few minutes. Like I gave Pastor Chris my donuts. He's in control of my dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. Just know if I don't get them back, you're fired. But we, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. I love you. I cannot, literally, I cannot control what he does with those donuts when they're in his control. But I trust him. I trust that I'm going to get them back. I trust what they're going to do. Watch this. I'm not going to trust my 10-year-old. I might give him the Krispy Kreme donuts, but I'm not going to give him the keys to my car and go, hey, go to the grocery store and pick up a steak so I can grill it later. Why? Because he's 10. He can't drive. He doesn't understand all of that. He's 10 years old. I've got to get to a place where I trust people with what I need, with, with where they're at. And God looks at us and he goes, I'm giving you your life. I'm giving you your purpose. I'm giving you your passion. I'm giving you desires. I'm giving you everything in life. And I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you to take care of it. But when are we going to trust God? Where's our, where's our faith? And watch this. Can I, can I just put it to you like this? Faith or trust in God is not dependent on him coming through the way you want him to come through. That's not a God. That's not a relationship with God. That's a business transaction with a business partner. To where I go, hey, if you do what I need you to do, then I'll do what, I, what you need me to do. And all we're doing now is we're coming up to business agreements. That's not God. But trust is when I say, God, you know what? I understand that you may do something with my life that I've placed in your hands, that I've put in your possession, that I've laid in your hands. God, I understand that my life may not look like I think it should look at the end of the day, but I trust you because you're God. I love actually how Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, has this beautiful description of what trust and faith looks like and Jeremiah writes this and he's talking to people that are kind of distressed and stressed out and overwhelmed and there's a lot going on and he's talking to them about restoration and how God restores and deceitful hearts there's some deceitful people in the world but Jeremiah chapter 17 7 through 8 says it like this and I'm just going to break it down verse by verse if you'll allow me for just a moment he says in verse 7 he says blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is is the Lord. Let's just focus on that scripture for a minute. He says blessed. So, but I don't know about you, but I've never met anybody in life that doesn't want to be blessed. Like, no, I don't want to be blessed. I'm good. I'll just take the worst of the worst. Nobody says that. Everybody wants to be blessed to God. Jeremiah goes, hey, you're blessed when your trust is in the Lord. Let's, let's look at this. It's two different ways. He doesn't say the same thing twice. He's actually explaining two levels of trust. He says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. So whenever I take this and I look at Chris, Pastor Chris, and I say, 
I'm giving you this. I'm giving you my Krispy Kreme donuts, right? Here's what I'm saying. Pastor Chris, I'm trusting in you with what I'm giving to you. I'm trusting in what you can do with this. I'm trusting in who that you say that you are and what you can do in that. So I'm looking and I'm going, I'm trusting in what I know about you with a issue. So whenever we give whatever that thing is to God, then we're going, I'm trusting in who you can be in this situation. So he says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And then he says, blessed is the man whose trust is the Lord. Not in him, but is the Lord. What does that mean? That means that the very being of my trusting, the very being of my faith comes from that thing. So he says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. So I trust in you by giving you this. Now I'm saying my trust is you, which means my trust comes from you. You are the source of it. Jeremiah says, listen, we got to come to a place in our faith. We got to come to a place in our, in our walk with Jesus to where we give him things and we trust in what he can do with it. But not only that, he has to be the very source of my trust. My trust and my faith come from him, not from you, not even, watch this, it's not, it doesn't even come from what he has done. It doesn't even come from him doing what I said I wanted him to do. It just comes from the fact that this is his character, this is his nature, and this is his personality, and this is who he is, and this is where I get my trust from. I don't get it from, from opinions, and I don't get it from thoughts, and I don't get it from your acceptance, and I don't give it from your ideas. I get it from God and God alone. He says, blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord, and blessed is the man whose trust is the Lord. And then he goes on in verse 8, and I love this symbolism. He says, for he will be like a tree planted by the water. I don't know if you know this or not, but trees need water to grow. He says, for it will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots. So think of a tree roots. It extends its roots by a stream. So down by the stream, so it's always tapping into the water. And the tree will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. In other words, watch this. He says, a man whose trust is in the Lord, and a man whose trust is the Lord, so a source is that. It's like he's living his life, and his roots are digging deep by a stream of water. In other words, so that the tree will never cease to have exactly what it needs to grow into what it needs to be in life. And he will be so planted by that stream that its roots will just dig out into the stream and there's always water feeding the growth of the tree. And he says, here's the reality. Whenever you do that and your trust is in the Lord and your trust is the Lord's, then your roots get the nourishment it needs from the Lord and now you don't have to worry when hard times come. You don't have to worry when it gets heated up. It doesn't have to worry when everything else around you is not bearing fruit. You'll still bear fruit. Your tree, your leaves will still be green. Your, light, your limbs will still be alive. Why? Because you are rooted in the stream of Jesus. You're right there. You're getting everything you need from the Lord. You're not getting it from me. And I just love that symbolism because I don't know about you, but like life gets hard. But he goes, if my life is in him, I don't have to worry about it when it happens. And it gets hard, and it gets difficult, and it gets hot, and everything gets difficult and tough. Watch this. Here's a thought. But what I won't give to God, maybe I just really don't trust him with it. 
when I'm unwilling, when I'm unwilling to release to God, I don't trust God with. Wow. So, so what, I'm, what I'm saying and what I'm thinking about in this is the thing that I'm holding on to because I have to fix it, maybe I trust me more than God. The thing that I'm holding on to because I'm waiting on somebody else to fix it with an apology or I'm waiting on them to come to me and fix it with this or with that, maybe God's going, if you just trust me with it, because this is what we do most of the time, right? And we'll give you, and we'll give you this. And I'm like, okay, here you go, Pastor Chris. These are yours. I'm going to let you hold them. While I do the sermon today, I'm preaching. So grab it and take, take the donut. Take the donuts. Take the donut. Why won't you take the Please take the donut. You are messing up the box. Take the donuts. How many times do we do that with God, right? It's a silly illustration. But really, you know why he's not taking the donuts. Because I won't let go of them. How many times has God been like, I would take it. In fact, I'd love to take it. In fact, I've told you that I'll carry the weight that you can't carry. I've told you my burden is light, my yoke is, e- my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I've told you all of that. I would love to carry the weight for you. I'd love to take it, and I'd love to do something with it, but you don't trust me enough to actually let it go. You want to hold on to it while I hold on to it, and that's not how this works. We have to look and go, you know what, God? This is yours. And I just need to tell some people today, whatever you're afraid to give to God, it's not too heavy for him. Your hurt is not too big for him. Your pain is not too confusing for him. Your unforgiveness is not too frustrating for him. He just wants it. He'll carry the weight. It's not about the weight. He's not concerned about how heavy it is. He's not even concerned about how long you've had it. He's just waiting on you to let go so that he can hold on. He's waiting on you to let go so that he can take care of whatever it is. And I know. I know it's hard. And I know it's frustrating. And I know it's difficult. But when we let go, that's when trust kicks in. What I won't let go of, I don't really trust God with. An immature faith, an immature faith says this, I'll do it, you bless it. That's an immature faith. I'll get through it. I'll do it. I'll make it. I'll build it. I'll learn it. I'll this, I'll that. God, you just bless it. Well, again, that goes back to the business transaction. A mature faith says, hey, God, you do what you need to do and I'll enjoy the outcome. Even if I don't enjoy the outcome, I'll still enjoy the outcome because I trust you. Even if it's an outcome I don't like, guess what? I'll still enjoy it because I trust you. Hey, God, even if it's something that I don't enjoy, I'll enjoy it because I trust you. But the, joy, the joyful thing, the amazing thing is, is that we never lose with God. Even when it feels like we're losing, guess what? We're actually winning. God's never lost a battle. And he never will. There's a song. That is a song somewhere. We sang it, I think, last week. The truth of the matter is, watch this, when I trust God with anything, God can do anything he wants with it. I just trust him with it. So there's trust, there's a level of trust, and then there's self-control. And this is the one where we struggle. This is the one where most of us like, don't want to talk about self-control. It's like, okay, I can get behind faith. Like, faith is tough, and faith is difficult, I can get behind faith. Self-control, I don't want to talk about self-control. Control, self-control is the control of oneself. I know you're like, oh, that's mind-blowing. No, it's really not. Self-control, though, is a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. The Bible teaches us that the more we grow closer to the Spirit of God, the more that we grow closer to God, the more self-control should be one of those attributes that comes up in our lives. And so we should learn how to control ourselves more. We should learn, I don't need 12 donuts. I can eat one or two. 
Like some of you, that's mind-blowing. You don't have to eat the whole box. <laughs> Self-control is the ability to say no to some things and yes to other things. Self-control is the ability to control myself and do whatever God asks. In fact, I believe this. This is a thought for you. Self-control is a sign of spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. I believe self-control is a, a sign of maturity and growth in our lives. I believe uh, the areas, I'm going to give you this thought too. The area where I lack self-control is the area I've asked God to be absent. Well, what do I need to be, what do I need self-control over then? What, where is that a fruit? Like where does that, I don't know. Where, where, where is it in your life? Where do you need more self-control? Maybe it's your attitudes. Maybe it's the way you treat others. Maybe it's honor. Like, I would venture to say this, that if a disagreement with somebody makes you treat them differently, you might not have a lot of self-control there. If I can't honor people regardless of what, uh, uh, you know, regardless, if I can't honor somebody and love somebody at that level, I probably don't have self-control there. If an election can make me treat somebody differently, I probably don't have self-control in that area. If, like, if, 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 you know, I can't look at alcohol without drinking way too much, probably not self-control. Like the reality, like if I can't look at a dozen donuts and just eat one, probably lack self-control. If I can't, I don't know, there's a million things. If I can't get on the computer without getting on a pornography website, there's probably a lack of self-control. If I can't uh, see an attractive male or female walk by me in the store without looking entirely too long, probably lack self-control. If I can't talk to somebody without being demeaning and degrading, I probably lack self-control. There's a million things I could keep going with, right? There's a million things I could keep talking about, and y'all are like, well, these are, these are like taboo topics, and they make me really uncomfortable. I could talk more about more uncomfortable things than that. Because self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, and it's throughout our lives. And the reality is, is some of us, we lack self-control and something as easy as spending our money. Do you know what tithe, tithe does? Tithe teaches us self-control of stewardship. Like, listen, there's so many things that we can do this about, right? Self-control is one of those things that's the fruit of the Spirit, but if we don't ever talk about it, we never learn about it. But I believe, I believe, and this has been a challenge in my life all week, that where I lack self-control, I've asked God to be absent in that area. Hey, God, I'd rather you not, like, move in that area of my life and show up there because I know that I can do whatever I want as long as you're not around in that area. And so I can do whatever I want because you're not there and I don't have to please. Here, hey, hey, here's a, here's, a, here's a thought. God's never actually not around. He's actually not ever not there. And so self-control is the ability to control myself and, and, and not chase happiness but chase God's holiness. Self-control is the ability to say no to some things and yes to others. And self-control is one of those things that nobody ever wants to talk about because it's, it's really tough and it's really difficult. And I, actually, one of my heroes of the Bible and so many people's heroes of the Bible, uh, the Apostle Paul was an amazing leader and preacher and church planner and pastor and he expanded the kingdom throughout the new testament and all these amazing things are taking place in the apostle paul's life and in romans chapter 8 
or chapter 7 and verse 18, uh, the Apostle Paul makes this statement that I know I can relate to in my life, and most of you can probably relate to to some extent in your life. Apostle Paul, he says this in, in verse 18 of Romans chapter 7. He said, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. Can I, can I just like let you know, this isn't to be mean or degrading, but the reality is none of us have anything good in us, in our flesh. We were born into sin. We're sinful people. We want to do sinful things. I just need to let you know that everybody in this room struggles with some kind of temptation and desire in their life that is not holy. Every one of us has some kind of, like you, 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 you have some struggle that you deal with. And maybe you're online today and, and, and wherever you sit, like you have some kind of struggle and desire in your life that you know just would not make God happy. We all struggle with that. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he says, I know that nothing good dwells in me. In other words, there's things in my life that are not holy. Like my, I just have desires that just are not probably what God would want for, for me. And, and I just need to tell you, like, the struggle isn't the problem. Like, if you struggle with something, hear me today, it's okay. The struggle is not the issue. The struggle and, and feeling that and dealing with that is not, it's what you do with the struggle that is the issue. Or the reward, doesn't matter. Like, am I looking and going, God, I know that your word says that I really shouldn't do this, and your word gets the final say, and God, this is a struggle that I have, and this is a desire I have that I daily struggle with and I go through, but God, your word says completely opposite, and so I know what to do, and God, I, I just struggle with that. What do I do with the struggle? Do I take it to God, and do I do what God asked me to do with it, or do I just do whatever I want to do with it? And so... The Apostle Paul says, there's nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, right? So in our flesh. And then he says, for the willing is present in me. So in other words, I really, really, really am willing to do the good stuff. I really, like it's there. I want to do what's right. But the doing of good, yeah, that's not there. So he goes, and he makes me laugh. Because <coughs> he goes, hey, I really, like, I'm willing to do the good stuff. I'm willing to do what's right. It's present in my life. But actually doing it is really tough. I know I'm not the only one that struggled with that in their life, right? Like, I know you're sitting out there and you're like, yeah, been there. I want to do what's right, but good grief. Like, I just, you know, I really, actually doing it's not there. Apostle Paul, like, this, this grand leader of the kingdom of God in the New Testament, this disciple of Jesus, like this guy that gave his life to the Lord and just had this amazing experience with him is talking about this. And then throughout, as he continues planting churches, they have these conversations and these talks throughout the Bible and First, Second Peter and the book of John, First, uh, Second John, and then you have James and then you have P, uh, 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 Titus pops up and what they start talking about is qualifications of leadership in the, in the church. And watch this. You know, there's like all these qualifications of leadership. You shouldn't be a leader if this, and you shouldn't be a leader if that, and this can't happen, and that can't happen. And one of them is even this, and it makes me question sometimes. He goes, you're, you shouldn't be a leader in the church if your own household is a mess. And I'm like, have you met my kids? My kids are amazing, but I feel like my head's spinning sometimes. I got three, y'all. I'm outnumbered, right? And all this stuff, and they have these things, and, and, and all this stuff. And then Titus chapter 2, Titus, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 really gives. So it's these qualifications, and 
verses 11 and 12 of Titus chapter 2, he says this. The same guy, get this, the same guy, he said, I want to do what's right. I just struggle with it. It's hard. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Like, I love that. He's like, listen, the struggle's there. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I think the wrong things. I say the wrong things. I act the wrong way. I do the, like all this stuff, right? And he goes, but the grace of God, the grace of God has appeared to all men. Every man that struggles, every person. Oh, praise God, y'all. That just scared me. I'm sorry. That just, I'm sorry. That scared me so bad. Y'all have no idea. If you're online, you probably don't know what just happened. There was a big pop that happened and it scared me to death. Um, anyway, it happens. It's life. But he goes, all you guys that struggle, all you guys that get scared to death, like everybody, the grace of God is for you. And he says he's salvation, which is an eternal relationship of forgiveness with the Father, is available to all of us. And that's where we end it a lot of times, right? But he goes, not only is the grace of God here to give salvation and an eternal relationship with God, because if we're not careful, we can think eternal relationship and salvation is where it ends, that's actually where it begins. Because he goes on to the very next verse and he goes, he says this. He says, his appeared bringing salvation to all men, instructing. So there's a, there's a whole other level. Instructing us, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So he goes, the grace of God has come to give us a relationship with the Father. But then the NIV says it like this. And teach us. To live a self-controlled life. Wow. So not only is this grace of God here to forgive us. Watch this. But I'm trusting, right, with something. I'm trusting in and I'm trusting uh, my trust is. Like all this stuff, right? But now the grace of God goes, hey, I know you struggle, so give me your struggle. Give me your struggle. I'll forgive you. Forgiveness is there, eternal relationship is there, but there's more to the life of the forgiveness. He goes, not only do I forgive you, but I want to teach you how to have everything in your hands that you can possibly have in your hands. I want to, I want to teach you how to have all the blessing and all the goodness and all the purpose and all the passion and all the vision and all the desire that you could possibly have in your life. And I want to teach you how to live a life of godliness with all of that in there because oftentimes what destroys us is the blessing because we can't control ourselves when we get it and he goes i'm here to 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 forgive and start this relationship and all this stuff but instruct you how to live a life of goodness and of blessing in a way that makes god proud and so I just want to tell you today, like, my whole purpose in this message, like, I know I said it at the beginning. This is not a message that you woke up and was like, I really hope the pastor talks about that. But I think it's one of those conversations that makes us better followers of Jesus. And it makes us better people to God's kids. I really do. I think when we learn how to trust God despite the outcome... Our faith gets deeper. And we plant 
our roots by the stream. And we learn how to be grounded in Him. And then whenever we learn self-control and the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, then we learn, man, I can live this life. You know, Paul says it like this. He says, you can do anything. In 1 Corinthians, he says, anything you want to do is permissible with you. You can do whatever you want, but it's not always profitable. So in other words, you can do whatever you want, but it's not always going to benefit you. And you have to be, have the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God in you enough to where you know the difference. And you have the self-control to say, well, that's not benefiting me, so I'm not going to do that. Or that benefits me. That benefits my relationship with God, so I will do that. And that's self-control. And I want us to just walk out of here today, and I want our faith to get deeper. Like, I don't just want to reach a bunch of people, and we're just shallow in our faith. I want to get deep, man. I want to... I want to be people that know how to self how to have the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be people that know how to dig in the Word. I want to be people that know what it looks like to have faith when everything just sucks in life. Man, when it's hard, I still trust God. I don't like it right now, but I trust Him. I want to be people that just, we can enjoy life in a healthy and responsible way. Are you with me? And so my, my goal today is to give us something that we can walk out of here with. And for some people, your first step is just to go, you know what? I just need to give my life to Jesus. Because I, I heard about a God that loves me where I'm at and wants to instruct me on how to live with him in a greater way. And he loves me where I am, but way too much to leave me there. I want to give my life to Jesus today. And then there's people that I just want to pray over you. I just want to pray over us as we go out and we change the world. As we go change the world. That we broke down scripture today. Like we looked at verses and we're like, this is what this means. Now, here's the goal. Watch this. If you sit in here today and we hear scripture and we do nothing with it, there's nobody to blame but me. It's my choice what I do with it. So I just want to pray over you that as we change the world, that we live by God's standards. Let's, let's pray together if you would, just bow your heads with me. And if there's anybody in the room that would say, you know what, Pastor, I really want to give my heart to Jesus today. And man, he, he loves me so much. And I just, I just want to ask for forgiveness and I want to repent. And repentance is not just saying I'm sorry. Repentance is turning and going in the other direction. I just want to give him everything I got. I just want to give him everything because he loves me that much and I love him that much. If that's you and you'd like to pray that prayer of salvation, can I just ask you to just right where you are, just hold your hand up so I can pray with you today. Amen. I'd love to just pray with you. Father, we honor you. God, we give you, we give you everything. And God... I thank you that we can come and we can come to church and have conversations about scripture that are honestly a little uncomfortable, a little tough. They challenge us a lot. They, they strengthen our faith and they make us question maybe how we're living it and what we're doing. God, I thank you that we can have those conversations openly and that your spirit just illuminates the scriptures so that we become better. And God, man. Don't let us just walk out of this room or turn the stream off in a minute and just go back to the same way we've always lived. No, God, let us, 
as we've broken down scripture and we've talked about your scripture today and we've looked at your word and how to live and what it means, God, we've talked about how to overcome anxiety and stress and, and depression and all that stuff. But God, you know what really does that? It's a relationship with you. So let us walk out of here and be different. Let us live different from the world. Let's look different, talk different, act different, have a faith that just makes no doggone sense to anybody. Let us quit trying to live a faith that just makes sense. Let us live a faith that doesn't. God, just make us better. God, we love you. We honor you. And even when we don't even know all that we need to know in our faith, we just know that we can lean on you no matter what. So God, we love you so much. We honor you and praise you in your name. Amen and amen. Can you make some noise for the Lord this morning? Or this afternoon, I guess now. Right? So honored. Hey, listen, real quick, on your way out today, make sure you grab those invite cards. Take as many as you can with you. Radiate, I want to see you back next week. Let's go this week and let's change the world. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Let's go.